Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah. Baseball, how about them Cubs? 
about them Cubs? Okay, who about who is this? Uh, what's what's your name, Colin? What are we talking about? What you want to talk about? Uh, I'm Joshua from East Central Illinois. From where? And East Central Illinois, and that brings on my next question. How about them Colts? How about the Colts? I mean, you know, the Colts with the fourth pick after those top three took Anthony Richardson as the quarterback position. They better take so. Anthony Richardson. That guy yeah, from so Florida? Andy, yep. Yeah, yeah he better the be the face of the entire franchise for the next, like, five years. Well, you have a quarterback that works with Jalen Hurts or works with a dual-threat guy with that skill set. Maybe, who knows, we'll see when he gets to training camp. Maybe he does need to play behind a veteran for a little time to develop. Um, hey, but we're now Pittsburgh. We're not going to fall immediately. I'm just uh, I'm not taking that personally. Yeah, well, you know, we don't have the resident Steelers uh, fan, but I, I think this is a big pickup for the Indianapolis Colts if this guy turns out to be good. Uh, they haven't had a You're franchise quarterback me if that quarterback from Florida turns out to be good. Oh, man, that guy's going to be a freaking ghost. I wanted that guy from uh, the Volunteers, the Tennessee guy. Hendon Hooker. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm curious to I see know. how far he will fall. That's the interesting piece. Does he fall into the second or third round? Does somebody take him in the very back end of the first round? There's been some trading and people moving around. The Lions traded out of pick six and gave it to uh, uh, back to Arizona, and they drafted uh, the corner, Witherspoon. No, they drafted uh, the tackle, Paris Johnson. Wilson from Texas Tech. I guess, you know, not spending my own money on this, yeah, I guess we'll take that really good quarterback from uh, Florida. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, the the Indianapolis Colts have gone with veteran quarterbacks at the tail end of their career for the last several years since that didn't work out. You had Rivers, you you tried with Matt Ryan, um, so you you kept trying to go with veteran quarterbacks to see if you could find something that worked, and it didn't. So right, um, and then you tried to come back even with uh, your boy that was in Philly. Uh, you forgot Jacoby Brissett, my friend. Carson Wentz, yeah, but Brissett was a fill-in, right? Brissett, Brissett was there when there was injuries. He weren't they the all? Roster. Weren't they all fill-ins? Yes, I understand. But what I'm saying is, they never hoped Jacoby Brissett would be their franchise. Nobody hoped that he was that. There were people that hoped that Matt Ryan or Phillip Rivers had some Pro Bowl seasons left in them um, at the end of their careers, right? Like, but nobody thought that Brissett could possibly be a Pro Bowler. Andrew, but see, here's the thing. In, in, in our lifetime, in our generation, though, the Colts have had more luck than many because they've at least been able to get two franchise quarterbacks in the draft. Luck's career was cut short. Peyton Manning was what he was for a long period of time. Uh, and a star work for that franchise. And so they have been able to hit it right and get to a couple of franchise quarterbacks. Right. Can we both agree that um, Matt Ryan should have retired immediately after being cut from uh, the Falcons? Uh, no, I mean, I think that he played long enough and played at a high enough level that he deserved to look somewhere else and to see if he still had another uh, – 
another year less than him. In hindsight, no, but, I mean, listen, he got paid a good bit of money, and, and Matt Ryan was good for this game and has played at a high level for several years. So uh, there's not 32 is legit it, Is it not better to have one city love you forever being their quarterback, like Atlanta, than have one city love you and one city hate you, like Indy? Give two shits if I walked away with an extra twenty thirty million dollars. I'm just saying that's just you know that's how I view it. Yeah, I don't I don't have to live in that city. I don't really care. Uh, and so if I if I got a, a good sized contract out of it for playing that year, then I don't care. Like I, I might have uh, done something that will further set up my family forever, so I can give two shits. Like that that's the guy. That's the guy's already worth tens of millions, man. It doesn't really matter. It. No you think though that people that make money sometimes the ones that are the most responsible don't uh, don't keep money because they don't miss opportunities to continue to add? He's not a rapper. He's a football player. He's not a rapper, but the guy had played long enough to have the right to play another year if he wanted to, and he did, and he made a handsome contract for it, and so that's more money in the bank for him than and he. Uh, and he did it so terribly, and an entire city he hates him now. Well, so he doesn't have to live in Indianapolis. He'll be fine. I know, I but mean, that's what I was most saying. People, yeah, most people that have done a good bit um, and or whatever or had some downtimes have had haters for it, right? So uh, he didn't have to live in Indianapolis. At the end of the day, the people in Indianapolis that hate him are not going to be that much of a detractor from his life. And he profited uh, a nice chunk of change for uh, playing another year in Indianapolis. I guess if you're selfish, that's one way to look at it. But, man. Uh, you know what? And in a game that – and let me tell you something. In a game that physical, with the hits that you take and the risk of CTEs and all these other things, and as highly uh, violent as that game is, Yes. Now, I might have taken less than I could have to try to help make room in a cap or restructure a deal. But, yes, at times, I got to think selfishly. Now, when I get there, I'm going to do everything I can to help the team win. But I got to think selfishly and take as much money as I can home. I'm just saying, he knew that Carson Wentz Wentz went out uh, because the O-line wasn't taking care of him. You know, he he knew that. He knew he was going to get injured for no reason. I guess yeah. he was just trying to paid, swallow though. up money. He still got paid though. I I don't blame. That's him. the worst reason. And, man. and then you gotta also you gotta also consider too that like sometimes when you've been a football player for that long, that's what you do. That's what you're used to. You don't know what else you're gonna do. And so if somebody's willing to give you a contract to do it for another year, you're willing to try it. It's hard to step away from something that you've done for over half of your life every year. That's been a routine. But he embarrassed himself before he retired. Yep, one bad one bad year, but he still you still ain't taking an MVP away from him. You still ain't taking a Super Bowl uh, appearance. You still ain't taking uh, some franchise records, and you still ain't taking how many million dollars. I bet on him during that Super Bowl appearance. By the way, I bet on him, and he failed me. But I'm just saying, yeah, Yeah, because I hate Tom Brady so much. There's enough. There's enough blame across the board uh, for that game. Not only him. Some other players on that team, some linemen, the play calling. There's a lot of different things 
of all these things, all you needed was like one to go differently probably, and they don't cough up that 28-3 to lead. There were so many crazy things that happened in that Super Bowl to blow that lead. And it was just like I know. he he, he should have he should have probably gone for the Dolphins or something, a team that or maybe the the, the, the Jaguars or something ridiculous. Okay, so but he, we got some other he things to, to uh, we got some other things to cover here tonight. You're welcome to hang out and interject if you would like. Uh, welcome to the, to the roundtable gumbo. I got to run through the the rest of the. Uh, the rest of the other picks that I wanted to hit, what's been going on uh, in the National Basketball Association. There were a lot of playoff games over the last couple of days, so we're going to hit that real fast. And then we're going to come back and uh, and just kind of have an open topic. But last night, all of the road teams except for the Lakers got wins last night and took control or clinched their series. So, hold on. The Miami Heat is the number eight seed, went into Milwaukee and won game five. Milwaukee once again goes cold in the fourth quarter. And the Miami Heat win this series three games to one, and they will meet the New York Knicks, who closed out the Cleveland Cavaliers in game five in Cleveland uh, last night. So that is your second round series on the top half of the bracket in the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat on the road against the New York Knicks who have home court advantage in that series. In the other half, uh, Philadelphia has been long out of there, having swept Brooklyn, so they are waiting for the winner of Atlanta and Chicago. Trey Young two nights ago hit that last second three-pointer to force game six in Boston, so they're playing game six tonight in Atlanta. We'll update the scores as we go along with the two-point game. Just a second ago. One moment. The Atlanta Falcons with the eighth pick selected B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas. There's questions how, where would he go? Uh, this guy goes in the top ten at number eight uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, big move for Atlanta, adding other pieces to that offense to go along with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Uh, so, good move for the uh, Atlanta Falcons, really drafting a franchise running back there. We'll see what they think they got in their quarterback. Maybe they get back in that discussion next year. But um, this is an interesting move. Uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, taking B. John Robinson. So, uh, Boston and Atlanta, game six tonight. We'll update the scores as the show goes on tonight. But that game is being played in Atlanta when it moves on to play Philadelphia. In the Western Conference, on the top half of the bracket, the Denver Nuggets have advanced uh, over the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then also, as of last night, the Phoenix Suns won in Phoenix against the Los Angeles Clippers and closed out that series. So that was a home team winning for the, um, to win the series. 
So those two teams, Phoenix Suns and Denver Nuggets, will play on the top half of the bracket in the Western Conference. On the bottom half, different results, uh, but both still the same. Uh, they got here different ways, but they're both in the same predicament. The numbers two and three seeds are down one going on the road. So uh, the Memphis Grizzlies were able to stave off elimination and win game four. Uh, sorry, win game five. In this Western Conference series with the Lakers, they won fairly handily. So it is now three games to two L.A. And the Los Angeles Lakers, the lower seed in this series, has the chance to clinch the series on their home court tomorrow night. If not, we will have a game seven in Memphis. And then on the other side, in a series in which Sacramento won the first two at home, Golden State held serve with their two uh, in, in San Francisco. And then now game five, for the first time, a road team uh, break serve, if you will. So the Golden State Warriors win last night in Sacramento, and that series is 3-2. So the two and three seeds find themselves on the road for game six, needing to win to force a game seven uh, at home. So those are the things happening in the Western Conference of the NBA. Is that still you guys? And the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, uh, the Grizzlies should be in there because uh, John Maria went to my uh, undergrad over there in Murray State in Kentucky. So let that boy get his shine. John Moran had a very good game last night uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies, and that was a big win for them against the Lakers as they were down 3-1 uh, going back home. So uh, that updates the NBA. I want to hit several things in Major League Baseball. The Mets are three games behind the Atlanta Braves. The Mets are about to get Max Scherzer back off suspension and uh, Justin Berlander back next week in Detroit. So uh, they're going to get their studs at the top of their rotation back. Uh, Braves with a four-game sweep over the Marlins this week. So they bounce back from losing that series to Houston. Uh, Pittsburgh still continues to win. They win today in an early game over the Dodgers to take another three. Um, in that series, uh, Philadelphia beat Seattle today. Seattle's offense is still really having a tough time uh, to get going. And then the Blue Jays put it on the White Sox again. White Sox are struggling as well. Blue Jays' offensively uh, are rolling. So uh, those are some of the scores in and going on in Major League Baseball. A couple games going uh, on tonight as well. So. On the time of Sunday morning brunch, on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern time, uh, the big homie, TP Timeless, uh, will host the Timeless Sunday morning brunch. He'll take off the blazer, loosen up the tie, step outside that kitchen, and let you know he is alive. And so Timeless will be here on Sunday mornings hosting that. I have the pleasure and the privilege of being alongside for the Timeless Sunday morning brunch on Sundays. We are doing NFL shows on Tuesdays. We did a mock draft for so the last two episodes. Well, we had a cookout last night uh, and then Monday and Tuesday night. So we did have a mock draft, and uh, we were wrong already on some of these picks. But those episodes right? are out there as well. Tuesday night, uh, football show. We'll probably do one more draft recap on Tuesday. College Cookout on Wednesday nights and Roundtable Gumbo on Thursdays. They have much more of a baseball flavor as we move forward uh, on the Sports City Chefs Blog Talk Radio Network. All right, any other topic you want to bring up in sports tonight before 
Uh, I sign off the roundtable gumbo show tonight. No, I mean, I think that uh, the Colts bringing on that really crazy quarterback from Florida. And we have Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, no, I'm pretty happy. Also, the Cubs are doing pretty well. So, yeah, everything's pretty sweet. I have nothing to complain about. Except for Jalen Carter fell to the Philadelphia Eagles at number eight. Jalen Carter, people talked about how far he would fall. Um, He gets to go to the Super Bowl participating. You think the Colts Colts are going to go to the playoffs this year? Uh, I, I don't know. I think that division is winnable by anybody. I don't. I'd have to see what else they do over over free agency. I know that I know uh, the Titans are their only real competition, but yeah. No, I think Justin Jacksonville Fields is over. Listen, are you kidding listen, me? I think, yeah, listen, I think Jacksonville is their competition. They won that division. They play won a playoff game this past year. Trevor Lawrence is continuing to uh, develop as a quarterback. They got a running game with ATN and guys in the backfield. Uh, they're getting Calvin Ridley uh, this year. The former Atlanta Falcon joined the receiving core to go with the pieces that they already have. And I think that we will see them do something in the draft. Yeah, so I, I'm sorry. I, I love Derrick Henry, and I think that he's a talented uh, running back and maybe the best one in the league. Uh, but I'm not sold on Ryan Tannehill. I don't think the Titans are. I'm not sold on Malik Willis. Um, I don't think that Traylon Burks is what they hoped that he would be. So I don't think that he is – I don't think they have enough weapons in the passing game. They have a lot of things to fix um, in Nashville. And so I do not believe that they are the Colts' strongest competition in the AFC South. And I'm, to be quite honest with you, I don't really know how much I believe in the Colts. I think this is Jacksonville's division uh, to lose this next season. Uh, I'm really interested in the Texans being able to take two moves and get C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, the best offensive and defensive player in the draft for them, or at least 1A and 1B as far as the quarterbacks went. But they got the franchise quarterback and a guy that they think could be a franchise defensive guy. you got to think this is an organization that for a long time had a franchise D guy in J.J. Uh, Watt. He's to get a stalwart on that side of the ball and can build enough talent around it. Um, I think D'Amico Ryan is the kind of coach that can get the most out of a guy like Ryan Anderson. So, I, I'm sorry, out of Will uh, Anderson, I really like this move uh, for the Texans. You trade back a little bit, whatever, but I, I think this is a nice move for them. And then the Indianapolis Colts come up and take Anthony Richardson, which is a very interesting pick for them. A lot of people had them tied to Levis, wasn't sure. Uh, but now, the next question is, how far does Levis uh, fall? We had Johnson to the Cardinals, the uh, offensive lineman. They better protect the quarterback there. Uh, we have uh, Witherspoon in the corner to the Seahawks. And the interesting thing is, I said this, I, when, when we did the mock draft, I took Joey Porter with the pick for the Jets. And I said, in a passing league, you never can have enough options at corner. 
it's almost like they were listening to me. I don't claim to be as knowledgeable as those guys, but uh, I I think that's a good move for them. And then you get so you have Weatherspoon and Johnson. You have the defensive end, I think, uh, from Texas Tech uh, to the Raiders. The Lions traded out of that six foot, by the way. And then. The Atlanta Falcons take Rajon Robinson uh, from the running back from Texas, and Jalen Carter falls all the way to the Philadelphia Eagles. So a very interesting, interesting first round so far. Let's see if anybody else pops on to talk about the draft. I don't want uh, to talk too long solo tonight. Um, tonight we have the game six of Atlanta and Boston, and then tomorrow night, you have game six with uh, two completely different circumstances. Uh, the Lakers are at home, well, both lower seeds, uh, higher seeds have you wanted to fight, uh, the six and the seven seeds in the Western Conference with home games, and if they win, they have the opportunity to clinch their series. Tomorrow, I do hear somebody mumbling about that. <laughs> We're just going through the draft. We're talking about uh, NBA, how uh, both of the road team, the both of the lower seeds, the six and the seven seeds, have a chance to win the series at home tomorrow night in LA and Golden State. Um, and we talked yep. earlier about. Miami uh, beating Milwaukee. Jimmy Butler stepping up huge, and Milwaukee going cold in the fourth quarter in almost every game in this series. Oh, yeah. Well, Milwaukee choked that series away. Um, Budenholzer should be fired immediately. Immediately. Like, he shouldn't be allowed back in the building. Um, I think the Kings are going to win. Um. I think the Lakers win, but I think you're going to get another subpar Anthony Davis performance. But I if, think that if they the get Lakers a subpar Anthony it. Davis performance, they're not going to win this game. No, I think they they won the last game with Anthony Davis not giving them anything. Um, that's the game where LeBron went twenty and twenty. Um, because if you look at what Anthony Davis has been doing, he's had a good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Well, guess what? He had a good game in the loss. He's going to have a bad real, game. Real quick, I saw some but predictions I, on this. Uh, number 10 pick, uh-huh. Darnell Wright from Tennessee, offensive lineman to the Chicago Bears. So that's the second offensive tackle to come off. Uh, we have 10 picks having been made so far in this draft. And out of those top 10, we have two offensive tackles. Uh, we have three quarterbacks for five. And then we got a running back for six. We got a a defensive end from Texas Tech. Another uh, edge guy in Will Anderson. And we got a defensive tackle in Jalen Carter. So those are our uh, those are our top ten. Yeah, Jalen Carter to the Eagles is huge. Um, I like Atlanta yeah, going it with the running back if they think he's a franchise guy. Um, and I like I like the bold move that Houston did 
uh, trading back a little bit. They still got the number six pick, but they traded back, and they went with Stroud and Anderson, and they got them both. Yeah, that was smart. It really, it really was. I like what uh, I like what the Texans did. You know, they didn't allow. Um, I gotta take a, a breath every time I talk. I apologize. I'm still really, really. They they weren't stupid enough to overthink it. You know, um, I think one of the good things about Demico Ryan's is he was smart enough to know. That yeah, San Francisco has been getting really far with this. Oh, anybody can play quarterback. But what exactly has Kyle Shanahan won with that philosophy? Tell me the Super Bowl championship Kyle Shanahan has mm-hmm. with his philosophy. Well, we don't really need a good quarterback. We ain't won none. Well, I, none. I think realizing that you know you have a lot of pieces, you need a lot on that team. And so, you know, that's why some people would argue against giving up the picks. But knowing that you need a lot, you can still get some good picks third, fourth, fifth round in the draft sometimes. And so, to me, I think if you have a chance to get a guy who you believe could be a franchise quarterback and you have a guy who could be a franchise defensive guy and an anchor to build around, um, you do that. You at least want to get some anchors yeah. when you've got a long way to go. Yeah, but I, you know, a lot of people said, "Oh, they don't need a quarterback this year, wait till next year." No, you don't. You don't know what's going to happen to Caleb Williams. There's a lot of guys that go in as a preseason. Oh, he's going to be a Heisman candidate. Remember Spencer Strider or Rattler or whatever the hell his name was? Spencer Rattler, yeah. You remember him? Does anybody no. know what he's I mean, playing now? He went to South Carolina, and actually, South Carolina was able to break the hex against uh, Clemson this past year. So. I mean, he had a few okay, really but, good games and a few subpar games, but not Heisman contender, right? Uh, but exactly. He did. So, uh, you know, one of remembers him. So that's what I'm saying is you don't know what's going to happen with Caleb Williams. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. And, and this kid may. Dude, he's playing in North Carolina. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, yeah. He's playing in North Carolina. Miss me with the whole Derrick May is a great quarterback thing. Miss me with that. Okay. So we'll see. I will say this. If, if he's great, uh, he'll prove it. Uh, Drake May, if he's great, he'll prove it. Because we have seen, we've seen quarterbacks from small universities, even if they didn't play in a great conference, come in and get it done uh, in the league. I think we get another year of seeing him play uh, college ball to see his inconsistencies. And, but it doesn't matter what school you go to if you're good. Okay. It does matter sometimes because your coaching matters. And I don't know if it was you I was texting or Todd last year when Carolina was playing, and I said, they're going to give it up. And they gave it up. And the quarterback right. was a huge part of that. So but my, my point, point is, is a, guy went to, just, a guy went to Miami, Ohio. Uh-huh. A guy went to so Miami, what? Ohio, he was a franchise quarterback. So if you're okay, good enough to be that you, and you're coachable. You when you it. saw Ben Roethlisberger play, you knew he was good. Derek May, Drake May's not good. Now, I'm going to keep calling him Derek because – He's a Derek to me. He ain't no Drake. All right? I'm going to keep mispronouncing his name until he proves something. All right? Ben Roethlisberger, just like before him, um, Byron Lethwich, it was real easy to see that they were extraordinary talents, that they were playing above the level of the people around them. May doesn't play above the level of the people. Oh, did you cut me off? 
No, I'm still here. I'm listening. Cut you off. No, I don't hear you anymore, though, Jenny. Uh, Chandler, if you're listening, I did not cut you off. Um, no, I'm here. Um, some North, some North Carolina IT guy dropped me from the call because I was disrespecting uh, Derek May. But the bottom uh, line is that C.J. Stroud was, depending on your your preference, was the best quarterback. In, honestly, I think he's the best quarterback in his draft. But you can also say Bryce Young's the best quarterback in his draft, and you'd be right with either name. So they were smart enough to get him. They got the defensive guy. They got a quality person along with the talent of Will Anderson. Will Anderson is not going to be some guy getting 20 sacks. So I hope nobody's looking for that. I think think at best he'll be a 10-sack guy at best. But he's going to do so much for that defense that he's going to be worth the pick that they got. But um, who the Titans would say? Who did they get? But. I like this draft so far. I like B. John Robinson. Um, I'm not a huge Anthony Anderson guy. What is it? Is it Anthony Anderson? Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. Richardson. Oh, uh, real quick, thirteen I'm to a, two. I'm sorry. Real quick, okay, thirteen I'm, to two. I'm, I'm, so I'm up to. A, I'm only up to eleven. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, but Anthony Richardson, I think I don't like the pick, honestly, because there's too much bust and not enough boom for me. I don't like Peter people Sirocki. who give themselves nicknames. Peter Sarasky, number 11 to Tennessee, offensive uh, player from Northwestern. Like offensive line. Yeah, so that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Yeah, so, but I don't like guys who who give themselves nicknames. When you give yourself a nickname, I got a problem with you. Um, it's like um, um, the kid that played for the for the uh, Lakers called himself Swaggy P. You don't get to give yourself a nickname. Other people give you nicknames because your talent says you need a nickname. So I think I think Anthony Richardson is not going to pan out. Does he have the the physical talent? Yes. Can will he ever be accurate enough or? What he is is a really, really physically gifted version of Sam Donald to me. Who says, and I'm saying that to say, at the worst possible moment, he's going to throw an interception. He's going to throw an interception. Book it. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, I think, you know, the coach has got to be thinking, raw talent's there. Let's see what we got. So the Titans beef up their offensive line. We now have three offensive uh, linemen in the first 11 picks with Johnson to the Cardinals, right, don't know, right to the Chicago Bears, and now Peter Starosky to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Um, once again, two and three to Houston and Stroud and Anderson. Uh, the, the fourth pick. Of this draft was Richardson to uh, the Colts. We then had Paris Johnson to the Cardinals. Uh, you know, we also had at the cornerback position the kid from Illinois, Weatherspoon to Seattle. There was talk about them having a lot of good young corners. And I said this during the mock draft with the Jets pick. I drafted Joey Porter Jr. 
because I said you can't have enough good physical corners. And so I, in, in the mock draft I drafted him, I don't think that's going to be the pick for them, but I do like it. Pick for who? Detroit? So, but, uh, but Withers, no, I like Witherspoon to, to Seattle. And then we had the, uh, we had the defensive end from Texas Tech to the Raiders. Once again, the Lions trade mm-hmm. down. We have B. John Robinson to the Falcons. Smart pick. Jaylen, really smart pick. Yeah, very smart pick. You you got you don't know what you got in your quarterback yet, but you got a guy like London at the receiver position, and you got a guy like Pitts at the tight end. Yeah, it's it's I I love B. John Robinson. Um, I was hoping he would. I would hope for these teams to be stupid enough to talk about, I don't want to run it back in the first round, and the Jets would get him, or the Giants. Um, since then you have Jalen. You have Jalen Carter. You mean, the Eagles. That's a big, that's a good move for them. He may be, in some people's mind, the best defensive player in this draft, and they got to replace some things with their life. Yeah, talent-wise, I think he is the best defensive player in this draft. It's a matter of him um, growing up and stop being a clown. And the fact that when once uh, Jordan Davis left Alabama is when he started acting clownish again. Um, <laughs> he needs to grow up. And hopefully with that group of people that they have there in Philly, they got guys who've been through some things. Brandon Graham has been through some things. You know, it's Devontae Graham. They got guys who've been through some things in that Philly defense in their lives. So hopefully they can get him to just kind of grow up and, and you know, cut the nonsense out of his life because this kid has the opportunity to make generational wealth for his family. You know, all he has to do is grow up and, and do it. That's all he's got to do. He's just got to grow up. But I, like I said, I like all of the picks so far except for the Anthony Richardson one. I'm just not a fan. I don't think at the third pick in the draft you take a project. I don't understand anybody saying that's a good pick. You don't take a project that high in the draft. If you want to take a project, you take them in the second round. You don't take a project in the first round. That doesn't make sense. Because now if it doesn't pan out, what are you doing in three years? See, the Jets took a project and Zach Wilson. How did that work out? You don't take projects in the first round. Did we lose Mike? I come in and Mike left. Now we have uh, Carter. We have Carter from uh, to the Eagles, as we just mentioned. And then we have Walker, the offensive lineman from Tennessee, uh, to the Bears. He's a road grader at right tackle. Then Skoloski, we just talked about to the Titans. So that's where we are to pick 11. Okay. So what are your thoughts? You've seen this uh, last round series as we're kind of waiting on another couple picks to see if we at least get halfway through this first round. What are your thoughts on this upcoming series between the Miami Heat and the New York Knickerbockers? I think the Heat are going to win because I don't trust Tom Thibodeau. I don't. I don't trust Tom Thibodeau as a coach. <clears throat> um, I know everybody wants to say he's a great coach and blah 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 blah. 
I have never really been a huge Thibodeau fan as a head coach. The fact that Julius Randle is hurt, I think, is a plus for the Knicks. While most people think it's a negative, I think it's a positive. Because now I think Thibodeau was forced to let Obi Toppin play. He's forced to actually let Mitchell Robinson be, you know, expand his game. He's forced to let Isaiah Hartenstein expand his game. He's forced to play other people, basically. Um, so if he doesn't revert to the typical that we've all known and come to can't stand, which is the guy who plays five guys until they drop, if he actually goes, say, seven, eight, nine deep, <coughs> then I think the Knicks can win the series. If Thibodeau Thibodeau's, then I see the Knicks losing the six. Yeah, I you, you know I, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm impressed with uh, the Heat. We've seen Jimmy Butler do this before. Um, you know, I think that I'll be interested to see what kind of defensive game plan Thibodeau can cook up and if it's effective. Uh, if they can make it an ugly game with the Heat, but I feel like Jimmy Butler finds a way to win a lot of ugly games. Yeah, but the thing is, you got Jalen Brunson. Brunson can Jimmy Butler. Brunson can be the next Jimmy Butler. So you let those two dudes basically negate each other. Tyler Hero's out. Uh, Duncan Robinson still is acting like he's forgotten how to play basketball. If your second or third best guy that you're counting on is Max Struess, then I should be able to beat you. I should be able to beat you. Because the bottom line is, let Jimmy get his and shut everybody else down. You know, Jalen Brunson can play, because Jimmy Butler doesn't really play above the rim. He's not really a great three-point shooter. He's just a guy who gets buckets. Jalen Brunson is a guy who gets buckets. So you let those two negate each other. And the rest of your, if you look at actually look at the rosters, your roster's better than theirs. So R.J. Barrett, we need you to actually be able to hit a jump shot and not and 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 play smart on defense. So, like I said, if Thibodeau doesn't screw this up, they should win this in six. Definitely agree with that. Oh, um. That's the only series going on in the East right now, right? Now, so we have tomorrow, we have the two – hold on a second. Here's a pick. You do, seriously. So tomorrow we got uh, the Lakers the and Packers the Kings. selected Lucas Van Ness, defensive in Iowa. Okay, tomorrow we got Lakers and Grizz, and we got King Warriors. Because we're not going to stop to watch TV. I might have missed the 12th pick. Yes, you did. So I think the Kings are going to win their game against the Warriors. I think they're going to win um, because they'll do a game in Golden State where they don't trick it away. They, there's been two games in Golden State that the Kings had a chance to win that basically just through inexperience they lost. I think this is a game they win, and it goes seven games. I think game six with um, the Lakers and the Grizzlies, 
I think LeBron goes 30 and 15. Anthony Davis goes 17 and 10. But I think uh, a combination of Austin Reeves, Willie Hachimura, and I'm thinking Vanderbilt. I'm thinking Vanderbilt pop shows up, and they manage to beat the Grizzlies. I think. Did you, so? Did you see who the twelfth pick was? No, I did not. Okay, I'm gonna try to get that because I've hit every pick except for that one. So. Um, there's me for a few here, but we. Uh, so I think that one thing that probably would be a great thing for the Lakers to win that game is something that happened for them uh, late in Game Four. It doesn't need to be. They need to take over the game. It doesn't need to be for long periods of time. But D'Angelo Russell needs to hit a few shots, maybe on a run for them or something. But D'Angelo Russell needs to hit a few shots for them. If he does. Oh. If he does, I think this team's gonna be uh this team's gonna be okay. I mean the role players tend to play better at home. Uh the Austin Reeds of the world who played good one game in Memphis, but they tend to play better at home and so I could see Vanderbilt having a better game. Uh for that reason. Um and I think if Anthony Davis does have a game like that, as long as like a couple of those are put back late in the game or, you know, a couple things like that, that, that kind of like an impactful moment. I, I could see the Lakers pulling out game five. I, I really think that this is – I mean, game six. I really think that this is a big, big game for the Lakers. You don't want to go back to Memphis uh, in a game seven environment. Yeah, I, um, I'm not counting on D'Angelo Russell because D'Angelo Russell has never shot 30 uh, – I'm sorry, 50% in a playoff game in his entire career. He's been in a few playoff games, and he has never shot 50%. So I'm not counting on him at all. Whatever he gives is gravy at this point. I just need him to not make turnovers. I need him to make smart passes. Um, for whatever reason, he had, doesn't, hasn't yet been able to manage his emotions enough to show up in a big spot. So I'm not counting on him at all. I'm not even considering him as part of why they're going to win. I think Austin Reeves is going to play better. I think Hachimura is going to play better. I think Vanderbilt is going to play well. And whatever D'Angelo Russell gives you, honestly, is gravy. Because it's, he's proven to come up small in big spots. He's proven that throughout his career. He's proven that at, when, the, when, the, when the lights are hot, he melts. And until he changes that, I'm not going to believe in him. So that's where I'm at. But, yeah, um, I, we had a uh, a rogue dog just pee on the curtain, and I was letting my uh, teaching my son how to show it to him and correct him, so we can try to help uh, teach okay. these old dogs new tricks. And we were down here with him. All he had to do was. Let us know he needs to go out. He does sometimes, but we have a rogue dog. So we were just taking care of that real quick uh, before he he crashes for the night. So I do need to see who the 12th pick was. I had to step away for a minute. Uh, here, addressing, uh, addressing home matters as we go. Yeah, they, they picked somebody. Tanner, keep me going for just a minute. Yeah, they picked some kind of tackle. The Steelers did. Um, 
which most of the people listening to this probably already know because they're getting all sorts of notifications as every every pick has come in. So um, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about what the St. Louis Cardinals did with George Walker, which I think is ridiculous. Um, so Jordan Walker was hitting 274, a couple home runs, 11 RBI through 20 games. Last eight games, he went one for whatever. So they sent him down. Even with the one for eight, he's still in the 260s, which is pretty damn good for a rookie. He's one of your best defensive players. One of your better players, period. Every player is going to have a slump. But because Oliver Marmol can't figure out his outfield rotation and he wants to keep blaming everybody and throwing players under the bus because his team is struggling, you send down your best prospect. Because of an eight-game sample size versus a 20-game sample size. Eight-game sample size versus a 20-game sample size. So uh, the Steelers picked the offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Let's let's think about that for a minute, right? Broderick Jones from Georgia, is that who you're saying? Yeah. So eight games he struggled, twenty games he didn't. Now if you told me he didn't struggle for eight or struggle for twenty, I'd say, you know, the twenty is probably closer to who he's going to be. But you send him down, and in the meantime, you've thrown Tyler O'Neill under the bus, so he's not playing well for you. And you call up a guy you're not going to play. I said but, this, so here's what I think. Um, here's what I think, Chandler. And I want to see the long view of this, okay? And I say that because you can't, like, some of these things work themselves out, but you kind of have a log jam in the outfield with not counting the guy they just called up to replace him, but with Burleson and with O'Neill and with Carlson and with Lars Lupard and whatever. And I understand that Walker has the highest ceiling of that bunch and probably should be in the lineup every day. But if you send him down and you give him every day at bat, then some of these other guys are going to be rotating in and out and platooning. Um and still kind of trying to figure some things out. But if you send this guy down and you give him every day at bats and you get him going, and then you call him back up and option somebody out um, in a couple of weeks or a month, and then he ends up having a really good rest of the season, then I could see why this move was made. You see what I'm saying? Like, uh, you take the pressure off, have a chance to just kind of reset. There's a long list of players that came up, went down, and then made it back up and never went down again, right? And we're able to really uh, it, become good. And I just think here's why it's wrong. Um, I don't want to hear about you trying to find at-bats for people who are struggling, okay? I don't want to hear about that. You put him out there every day. You put Carlson out there every day in center field, and then you won't, and then you decide between O'Neill and Newt Bar. That's it. But then you still That's have the you still have Burleson though too, who they like a lot. Burleson, listen, listen. Burleson is 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 a bench player. He ain't no starter. Okay, 
He's not. So he'll get his at-bats when he gets his at-bats. But your best outfield is Walker, Carlson, Newt O'Neill. That's your best outfield. And, oh, and by the way, why do you have 17 outfielders on your damn roster? How about we start with the roster construction? How about we start with the fact that the, the manager is obviously feeling the heat and grasping his straws and trying to blame everyone but himself? See, this is why it's wrong. It would, it would be very different if you said, okay, we don't have the advance for him. We're going to send him down. You have the advance for him. But because you're flailing trying to save your job, a guy has one bad game, oh, my God, i got to change him up. I can't let him play anymore. That's the wrong message. And, and I keep saying this. You can't win the pennant in April and May, but you can damn sure lose it. You can lose it. And what Oliver Marmol is doing is costing the Cardinals the pennant right now. I don't want to hear about Burleson. He is not a starting outfielder. He's not. He's a reserve, which means, honestly, he should be the guy in the minor leagues getting the at-bats, not Jordan Walker. You should not have six outfielders on the damn roster. It doesn't make any sense. This guy they brought up is not going to play. He's not going to play. So why is, why is he here? When you already don't have enough at-bats for outfielders, why would you bring up another outfielder? How does that make sense? The reason you said Walker down said we don't have enough at-bats for you in the outfield, so we're going to bring up another guy that we don't have enough at-bats for. One moment, Taylor. I'm still. I'll wait on the answer. Apparently, there is no answer. So, I said this, I think, um, at the beginning of the season, and I'm going to say it again. The Cardinals need to fire Oliver Marmol right now. They need to fire him right now to salvage this season. He is in over his head. He has been, honestly, for a while. He was was in over his head last season. But the talent of the team was able to overcome his inability to be a good manager. Oliver Marmol needs to be fired if the St. Louis Cardinals want to do anything this season or going forward. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. It'll be interesting to see. This team can get it going. Their pitching has been okay. You're getting Wayne right back. They got a bunch of like mid to back of the rotation guys late last year um, around the trade deadline. Uh, so we'll see if they can pitch enough for that offensive to get going. Any yeah, other guys to really take off about, the side? Think about the fact that, that you're waiting on a 50 year old pitcher to be your savior. Think about that for a minute. Adam Wainwright is 800 years old. Well, as soon as we get Wainwright back. Sure, he hasn't back, quite got back to the pitcher that he was. He's not there, but he has, like, shown some flashes. That's the guy they thought would be their next franchise ace was Jack Flaherty. Yeah, but he can't stay healthy. 
can't say healthy. He can't. And that's not, that's not knocking him. These are facts. The facts are because of his pitching delivery, Jack Flaherty is going to continue to get injured until he can economize his delivery. He is going to have issues. So, again, your, 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 your best, the, the thing you're waiting on is, is the 500-year-old Adam Wainwright. That's all you got? Really? Yeah, okay. Okay. Okie dokie. There's still corners hanging out in there. I think we've only had one corner. Say again. Still corners hanging out in this draft. Uh, Christian Gonzalez is still there. Oh, by the way, um, I see the Baltimore Orioles are at the top of the American League East, like someone said they would be. Hmm. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I said they're going to take a step back before they go forward. We'll see. Uh, Tyler Wells has been pitching well. Kramer's been holding it down okay. Uh, you know, Kyle gets there to pitch uh, patchwork rotation. But uh, they have some young guys. Henderson haven't really uh, done it yet. But, you know, uh, Rushman's for real. Mullen, uh, they got some depth in that order going behind those guys in Mount Castle and uh, Santander. And uh, so this is a lineup that uh, has been producing. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles are are playing pretty good baseball right now. Yeah, and so are the Pittsburgh Pirates, believe it or not. Um, and the fact yeah, they really are, and this is even <coughs> the injury to Emil Cruz, right? Like, even though he's going out, like you kind of sell him as sort of the best type player. And you know what? They locked up uh, Brian Reynolds for several years in a pretty affordable contract for this franchise. Uh, he's not being paid like a superstar because he's not one. Uh, but he's getting a very good major league salary for several years. Uh, so you get him locked up. They got some good young players there. The kid Castro has been playing with uh, Cruz out. has been pretty good. You got Bay, the young guy who we've talked to, uh, the Korean guy who we've talked about before. Um, there's some talent on this team. Yeah, well, well, Brian Reynolds is their superstar. He doesn't have to be a superstar. He's their superstar. The fact that they were able to get him signed to a contract speaks volumes to that locker room, the clubhouse, because it says that management isn't going to bail on them halfway through this process, as, that, as the ownership group has done time and time and time again. So him getting signed, honestly, isn't the biggest thing. I mean, yeah, I'm glad he got the money. But what it is, what it does say is that, okay, we're going to invest in this team. We're going to invest in this team, which also means that come the trade deadline, I don't want to hear that the Pirates are sitting pat. Excuse me. Oh, good God. Sorry, everybody. The Pirates should be a player come trade deadline, and not as a seller, not as a seller. They should be a buyer because if you look at the American League Central, and the American League, National League Central, Cubs doing pretty damn good, as someone said they would. Pirates doing pretty good. Cardinals, Oliver Marmol is fumbling his bag. 
He's fumbling his bag. The Pirates should be well entrenched in a wild card position post All Star break. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think, so, you know, a year and a half ago, we were wondering with the Cubs, what are they doing as they trade everybody off? And now you got a top three in the order of Horner, Swanson, and Hap. And then you got a middle of the order of, like, uh, Suzuki, Bellinger, and then kind of six, seven, somewhere in, like, the uh, Hosmer, Mancini range until this other kid comes up. And then your bottom two in the order is your catcher. And then a guy like Nick Madrigal, Patrick Wisdom, somebody else is also in that lineup. So, I mean, there's a uh, there's some depth in that lineup, and Stroman's pitching well, Drew Smiley's pitching well. Um, you know, can Wisniewski figure it out? We'll see. Uh, but this is a team that you know they executed their plan faster than I thought they were going to be able to. And, and I think they're going to wind up trading Bellinger at the trade deadline because. He's going to be well sought after. Um, and, and Christopher Morrell hasn't even come up this season. He's still in the minor leagues. He's still in the minor leagues. And Christopher Morrell is a really good player, really good young player. Yeah, so He's a nice player and can play all right. over the place. Exactly. So I think that come trade deadline time, I think the Cubs are going to slowly be on the fringe of the wild card, but they'll be close enough where – they can make, they can sell and still stay in the hunt, and you can sell high because Bellinger is going to bring you back at bare minimum a major league starter and a and a B prospect. That's the bare minimum because, as I told you, Bellinger needed to get out of L.A. and stop trying to be a home run hitter and go back to being what he was, which is an all field hitter. And that's what he's doing. I do want to give a shout-out to a player who's bounced around, who's really been good this year, one of the few bright spots. But Brett Rooker with the Oakland A's, a heck of a hitter in college, uh, drafted by Minnesota, didn't work out there, floated a couple places, uh, went to San Diego, uh, and trade ended up in Kansas City and is now with Oakland. Uh, 17 for his first, 51, six home runs already. Uh, Brent Rooker is looking good for the um, Oakland A's, and that could be a guy if you need a corner outfielder or a boost that some teams come calling about uh, with the A's this year. So uh, early returns. Sometimes it takes these guys a little while to find their stride. Maybe he has uh, the on-base percentage that's good too. So we'll see, like, as this materializes. But Brent Rooker is a name to look out for. In Oakland, or at least check when you check the box scores. And we know about the Langoliers kid, the catcher. Uh, but he must have went to LSU. Story. He must have went to LSU. Who? Britt Brit Rooker? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, actually, he was a Mississippi State kid. He was on a College World close Series enough. team that lost in the finals to UCLA. Yeah, close enough. He's an SEC guy. He's a four-way player. He's a four-way player. <laughs> uh, right. we'll, I, hate, I hate to bust your butt. He's a four-way player. He very well may be, but isn't the Oakland A's full of 4A players? Exactly. And that's what no one's going to be trying to get him at the trade deadline. Um, he's getting at bats 
simply because they don't have anybody else to play. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate the guy. I'm sure he's probably a really good player, human being. He's a four-way player. <clears throat> now, if somebody needs a fourth outfield or something, they might be able to get something for him. But the reality is the Oakland A's, if he, if he shows any more talent, they're going to trade him anyway because they're moving to Las Vegas. Then they try to screw the fans over. You know, so they basically want a losing team so they can justify um, moving so you can't have talent on that roster. I expect Lambert Rooker, and anybody else that shows any sort of ability to be traded by the deadline. I don't think that they'll trade Langoliers, could trade Rooker. I just think you still got these minimum contracts that they're still going to keep. I think there are a lot of 4A players on this team. Sometimes getting the right situation, being uh, going to the right situation can make a difference. He may never be more than that, but he's at least uh, showing signs of the guy they thought they got with the first-round draft pick. So we will see, uh, you know, what happens. What happens there. White Sox are really struggling. Think, yes, yes, as they should be because Tim Anderson is on their roster. They deserve every bad thing that's going to happen to them. He's not even but on the field. The he's, the, he's on the DL. Huh? He's on the I don't IL. Care. He's still on the roster. He's still on the roster. I don't care. He's on the team. He's bad luck. He's he's terrible. I, by the way, for anyone those who don't know, I can't stand Tim Anderson. Yeah, full disclosure, I can't stand him. <laughs> A case that didn't come through, right? Um, that's a poorly constructed roster. They made a mistake with the manager last year. They made a mistake with the manager this year. What what that team needed was someone who had managed before, who could come in and get them to understand that they don't get the role that they have out there. They say, well, we really we had a whole lot of talent. We should win. That's not how it works. That's one of the worst defensive teams in baseball so far. And you have all of these athletes on that roster, guys who should be making plays, and they're kicking the ball all over the place. That clubhouse is not – that clubhouse is toxic because they walk around thinking they're better than they are. Washington Commanders just selected Emmanuel Forbes, quarterback from Mississippi State. Okay. So, uh, to me, with the White Sox, honestly, I would blow it up. I'd blow it up. Um, I was talking to a White Sox right. fan today. I would have, as part of my rebuild, I would still keep Robert around. I would still keep Andre Vaughn, uh, Andrew Vaughn around as the first baseman. <laughs> I, I would probably keep Colas in right field, and I would probably keep Dylan Cease, and I would blow everything else up and get whatever I could and rebuild my system. I'd get rid of Dylan Cease, too, um, because he is not going to really master the strike zone. This is another guy. You look at his delivery, and he's an injury waiting to happen. Um, Eloy Jimenez, trade him. Robert, yeah, for sure. Trade him. Trade him. Um, Robert's a guy that I keep. I keep Robert. I don't keep him. I don't keep him. I keep him in the outfield. Because he's going to hurt him. That's it. Well, there's going to get hurt. And maybe Colas Guaranteed. Maybe Colas, but I trade Robert, and here's why I trade him, because he's got so much talent, I can get a lot for him. If they were to put Jimenez and Robert on the market right now, 
they can get back uh, San Diego Padre levels of returns and what the Padres gave up to get some of the people they got, they can get those levels if, of returns. If you trade Robert, you're keeping Tim Anderson. No, you got to trade them both. Because no, I want to restock my farm system. I want to restock my farm system. And I got two guys who constantly stay injured. They're not helping I'm going to trade one of them and Jimenez and, and Paris Cease. I'm not trading both bats. Okay. You, okay, then when a the guy spends the rest of the season on IL and you miss the opportunity to trade him, then what do you do? You can't keep being seduced by the physical talent. You have to look at you have to look at the production that you're getting back. The New England Patriots yeah, just selected it. Christian Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon. The people believe to be the best. They take the corner. If you if you're the White Sox and you and you sit down and you honestly evaluate it, you're not getting close to what you should be getting out of either one of those players because they can't stay healthy. <coughs> so you move them both. <coughs> excuse me, because other teams are tantalized by their talent. And if they stay healthy with another team, oh well. They didn't stay healthy for you. But you can't keep Excuse me. You can't keep doubling down on a bad hand. If you are going to truly remake this this team and this organization, you got to blow it up. You got to blow it up. <coughs> oh God. Um. So we got the Mets, who are finally letting Francisco Alvarez play. Thought it would look better. You know, he started to look like a player, which we all know he is. Mets are three games out. They're getting Scherzer back next week, and Merlander going to make a rehab start tomorrow and probably make his first start in Detroit next week. So you're getting your horses back at the top of the rotation. Mm-hmm. And the other thing yeah. that I have with the Mets is they have moved, at least uh, now in Double uh, A, they're moving Ronald Mauricio over to second base to take a look at him uh, over there. Yeah, which thank God, sorry. <clears throat> it's a smart thing to do. Okay. Oh, I can't I can't. I'm so tired of getting sick. I've been sick for almost twelve days. Um <clears throat> you gotta bring Mauricio up. You gotta bring him up. Okay. <laughs> he is that's the most talented player in your organization. Let me be very clear on this. Ronald Mauricio, Ronnie Mauricio, is the most talented player in the Mets organization, bar none. He is at Warberry levels of physically gifted. And I don't throw that name out there lightly. That kid is strawberry levels of physically gifted. I think he you bring this kid up. Major I think you bring this kid up, mm-hmm. you put him next to Lindor, you have Beatty, Alonzo, and I know Beatty's the first baseman, but right now you have Beatty, Alonzo, and Alvarez, with Escobar, seven in some, and then in the outfield, uh, McNeil, Nemo, and Marte, and or your DH, and you also have, you know, can't hurt a couple other guys, depending on who you decide to you go know, with. But you got you got to have you got to have Mark Cannon in the outfield. He's the starting outfielder. 
Yeah, and so he's a better Nimmo and Marte in the outfield, and McNeil, your mm-hmm. DH, and you can rotate him out if you need to sometimes. There you go. Now, that's a rock. That, and, and like I said, I think Brett Beatty, honestly, is a first baseman. I don't think he's a good defensive third baseman. I, I understand that, but you, you put him, him in the lineup and you let him hit. And either he oh, sells himself absolutely. as a first baseman in the training. You know, you hope he gives you a serviceable third base. I like Keith Moreland a couple of times for the Chicago Cubs uh, yeah. years ago. So, because the other thing you is, hope he gives you some serviceable uh, third base. You have some true athletes in the middle of that infield. You have the slugger at first. Um, you know, you and then you have uh, an on-base machine in Nemo in center field. Marte, who's got some speed and some pop in his bat, a five-tool player. Uh, Canha, who, who can really get on base. And McNeil, who's a guy that has a chance to win a batting title. That's a very good offensive lineup. And if you get the guys, to, the stars back at the top of your rotation with Scherzer and Freed, then you got plenty of uh, – you got some depth on those guys. You got McKenzie back. You got, uh, you know, you, you got Singa. You've got looks at uh, Peterson, who I think is about to pitch his way out of a spot. Um, you know, they just brought the other kid up to take a look at today. So you have several, you know, guys <laughs> to fill out the back of that rotation. Uh, if you can continue to kind of get things done in the bullpen until you get Diaz back, like uh, this is a team that is definitely going to have a chance to be there. And I think that three-team race that we've talked about uh, in the East is still going to be a legit deal. Bryce Harper possibly coming yeah. back soon, even being willing to play first base maybe for this team. Yeah. Um, the reason I say you play Beatty is because when he turns out to not be a good third baseman, he's a first baseman, by the way. You know what You know what he will do? He will accu- accumulate value exactly. if you have to make a move. And if you have to make a move to get somebody to play third, right? Because somebody's great third baseman, their team is terrible, and they want to get that contract off their books, which not a lot of third basemen that, sh- that may come available. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anybody. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anybody. Huh. No, but are the, but, are the Yankees – I mean, if, if the Angels struggle, are the Mets stupid enough if uh, Rendon's playing well? to eat that contract just to give him a legit defensive third baseman, when he's, even though he's a health risk? I can see that. I could see them doing that. I absolutely could. Um, because, again, we know that Buck Soldier doesn't like, doesn't like playing young players anyway. We know that. Which is why there's all this kerfuffle about moving Mauricio and, oh, we don't really want to bring Alvarez because the pitch clock, when he's been playing with the pitch clock, longer than anybody in the, on your major league roster – you know, all that other nonsense. So can McNeil play can third base at He's he's a butcher. He's a butcher. No, yeah. let me not. Let me not. He is. He's kind of serviceable. You know what I'm saying? Like he'll make. Well, yeah, we know Escobar can he, play third for them. Uh, exactly. But. And 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 the thing is, you keep Escobar because he's a good clubhouse guy. Escobar. If you tell him, listen, we, we're going to play the young guy, you cover the bench, he's fine with it. You know what I'm saying? He's one of those guys that will do what he has to do to help the team. He's good, you know. So you don't have to worry about him pouting or, or poisoning the well. Um, McNeil, 
he'll make about 75% of the plays at third base. You really don't want to mess with him at third because that's when, if you think about the year McNeil struggled, is when they moved him to third because he suddenly thought he had to become a power hitter. So I wouldn't mess with him at third. I'd go with the Escobar Beatty platoon. Um, more baby than Escobar, obviously. Because I think Escobar is going to, second half of the season, I think Escobar is going to, it's kind of going to be like last year. I think he's going to come on in the second half. But the Mets, listen, you got to bring this kid Mauricio up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't keep this kid down there and tell me that you're truly trying to win. Because it don't, it don't work like that. You can't keep talent in the minor leagues and say, hey, we're trying to win. It's not how it works. It's kind of like the Yankees running 17 foray outfielders out there instead of just bringing up Jason Dominguez. And I told you they weren't going to bring him up. This year. They're not going to bring him up. you got Aaron Hicks hitting 119. you got Franchi Cordero who turned back into Franchi Cordero. you got Willie Calhoun who, man, listen, dude, stop eating the donuts. Seriously. Okay? Stop eating the damn donuts. You can't play the outfield because your fat ass can't run. But you don't want to bring up Jason Dominguez. Makes no sense to me. But what do I know? I've only watched baseball for 50-plus years. What do I know? So the New York Jets selected Will McDonald, uh, defensive end mm-hmm. edge from uh, Iowa State. <clears throat> the Lions finally made a pick, and they just chose Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa. That's a good, tough uh, linebacker, defensive presence for them to help them against the run, make some plays in this field. Yeah, because we know the Lions need help stopping the damn run. Just ask the uh, Carolina Panthers. Oh, good God. Oh, my throat is on fire. Oh, man. I'm just trying to look up the rest of these – yeah. So I'm just gonna keep going in baseball while you're doing that. Um, keep going. Cincinnati Reds are actually playing well. Um, I like what they're doing. They they start. They, they, I think next year, I think we can look at them and say, and say they're a team on the come. This season, oh. I think is about just kind of maybe. Go ahead. Real quick, I got your 12th pick. I just missed it. The Lions took Jamar Gibbs, a running back from Alabama. Uh, explosive yeah. guy, foot the ground type guy, catch the ball in the backfield. Um, so the Lions with these first round picks have Jamar Gibbs, the running back from Alabama, and then they went and took Jack Campbell, guy that can help him stop the run, the linebacker from Iowa. So that was the 12th pick of the draft. So try to run through as many of these okay. as I can. Uh, go ahead. Um, I to say the Reds, I think, are setting the foundation this year. Um, I think they're going to be starting to be on the come next year, but I like the, I like the talent. I like they play hard every game, and I like that. They're, 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 they're no longer a team that doesn't believe they can win. Now they can't win yet, but they don't believe that they can't win. And that young pitching staff they have, man, good goodness, boy! I tell you what, the Reds are going to be a problem in two years, just because of their pitching. They are going to be a problem. Kid Hunter Green, uh, Lodolos, they have Alexis Diaz in the back end. That team is going to be a problem. I would like them to get a better manager, but I think the guy they have is okay. 
I think he's good enough to get them to the part where they start winning. I don't think he's the one to bring them to take them over the hump, but I think he can get them to a wild card in a year or so. So I like what's going on there in Milwaukee. I think it's time for the Brewers to, to, to decide that, that they need to move on from Christian Yelich. I think yeah. it would be best for him. I think it would be best for the organization. Yelich is still trying to recapture something that he isn't. I think that's part of it. I think two things, though. You know, they've been hitting him in the leadoff spot the last couple of years to try to uh, drive that home. But I think it is a little bit more difficult for them to move on from him because of the season-ending injury to Garrett Richardson. Because I'm not sure that you're uh, convinced on the depth of that team. And Yannick is a clubhouse guy and kind of a veteran leader. So I'm not sure that you're convinced that you have enough to really justify shipping him out on a team that, with the pitching that we've seen so far, uh, they have a chance to contend for a division title. So uh, I don't think you do it as having Garrett Mitchell go since Garrett Mitchell went down. I think you do because what you can get back in return and also because the reality is offensively he's not helping you. <clears throat> he's not helping you. You know, they put him at the top of the order because they're trying to do the whole Yankees justice. Oh, he can he can slug from the top. He's not a slugger. He's not a slugger. So can't see the uh, the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh just went. I didn't see who got him, but he just went. I think you move Yelich, and you say he had the salary. Um, and this is me speaking from a Yankees. Yankees' perspective. I think moving Yelich for Aaron Hicks and uh, some prospects is actually a smart move for both teams. You got two guys whose careers are in the tank. I think the best thing that could ever happen to Aaron Hicks would be to get the hell away from New York. I think the best thing in the world for Christian Yelich would be to get out of Milwaukee and go to a team where they don't need him to be a significant piece of the puzzle. They just need him to be a part of the puzzle. See, in Milwaukee, Yelich still has to be (coughs) – Okay, so I'm going to recap where we are to this point real quick in the draft. Um, We have Bryce Young to Carolina. As we talked about before, we're two and three. We had C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson to Houston. And then uh, with pick four, we had uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts. Chandler's favorite pick of the first round. Uh, with pick five, we had Devin Weatherspoon, the corner from Illinois, <clears throat> to Seattle. And then with pick six, the Arizona Cardinals take Paris Johnson the offensive lineman from Ohio State. So that's the top six. Uh, pick seven is the Raiders, and they take Tyree Wilson, the edge from Texas Tech. And then the Falcons take the running back, and Bijan Robinson with pick eight in round one. Pick nine, Jalen Carter fell pretty far. A uh, good spot for him, as we talked about before, uh, is pick nine for 
the Atlanta Falcons. <clears throat> and then pick 10, Chicago Bears, Darnell Wright at right tackle. I think that's a good move for the Chicago Bears. Um, with pick 11, the Tennessee Titans take Peter Skolonski, the offensive lineman from Northwestern. Um, pick 12, the, as we just talked about, the Detroit Lions with their first of two picks take Jamar Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama. With pick 13, uh, the Green Bay Packers take Lucas Van Ness, the edge from Iowa. A lot of people had a lot of – he was all over the board from number nine, highs number nine to the Bears all the way down. So, um, he goes to the Packers here. That's a good move for them to try to uh, build some pieces for that defense. Uh, and then – there was me just a second. My thing jumped on me. Uh, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers take Broderick Jones, the offensive uh, tackle from Georgia, to help solidify their offensive line. Then the Jets go with Will McDonald, the edge from Iowa State. Uh, from Iowa State. And then with pick 16, the Washington Commanders take Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback from Mississippi State. The Patriots come right behind him, have to be elated to get Christian Gonzalez, who some people have as the best corner in this draft. He goes as picks uh, 17 to the New England Patriots. 18 pick the Detroit Lions with their second pick we talked about. Take Jack Campbell, the linebacker from the University of Iowa. Uh, <clears throat> says Iowa State here, but I think that's right. Um, and then pick 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take oh, – we don't have an answer yet. Let me let me refresh and see if it <clears throat> if it <clears throat> updated. I think the Tampa. I picked in the. I had them in our mock draft, and I had them taking uh, Kincaid. So we'll see what they do. There is some defensive um, stars here still. Joey Porter still sitting here, and there's still some talented players on. There's also a lot of wide receivers sitting here. So I'm double-checking to see if this is updated. I'm going to see how far we can make it in the end of the first round. <clears throat> Saints get 29. All right, here we go. Okay, so Tampa took Kelly Jukanti, the defensive uh, tackle from Syracuse, who a lot of people are really impressed with. Um, and then we're waiting on Seattle with pick 20. So we're almost uh, – we have 12 picks. We have 12 picks left in this first round. Sorry, I dropped the thing. We have 12 picks left in this first round as the Miami Dolphins do not get a first-round pick. So uh, 31 picks in round one. Uh, so we were talking about Milwaukee, and then um, you mentioned another team after that. Chandler, are you still there? <clears throat> so those are that's where we are in the NFL draft so far. We are going <clears throat> we are going to wrap this up in the next ninety seconds. Uh Chandler man, I want to tell you 
Uh, thank you for uh, co-hosting this with me again. I know you're not feeling well. I hope you get to feel better soon and have you back at full force. I uh, enjoyed your baseball takes today. Enjoyed kind of going through this uh, much of the draft with you. As I said, as of 9:30, we have 12 picks left in the first round. Uh, Canty to Tampa was the last pick. The defensive lineman from Pittsburgh. Uh, shout out to the head honcho TP. He'll be happy with Gibbs and Campbell, I think. Um, the Jets with McDonald, we'll see. Uh, but shout out to the villain, to controversy, to series as we did mock drafts this week. Uh, join other shows that I mentioned earlier. We will be back on Sunday with the time of Sunday morning brunch. This is saying Louisiana, laissez les bon temps rouler. And it's time it says, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chef again. And if they don't know, now they know. Thanks for being here. We out.